Hello, everybody. My name is Jake McGrail, and alongside me are Liz Wang and Corey Branson of CITR Sports, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Always keep you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories. And we don't have an interview for this week, unfortunately, but we do have plenty of UBC sports news to talk about. Baseball, they can't stop winning. Softball, unfortunately trending in the opposite direction. Women's golf has got their swagger back, and men's rugby continues to, surprise, surprise, steamroll their opposition. All in all, pretty solid week for the Thunderbirds, but we're going to be covering more than one week yeah. uh, for probably yeah. the first time in this show because because of the interview we ran with Madison Penn last week, which you can check out in our archives at CITR.ca, combined with the focus we gave to the women's volleyball team winning the national championship, we were only able to, to very briefly mention everything else that happened, so we're going to do that now, taking a, a quick look back at the events we weren't able to give real airtime to last week, starting with baseball, who swept Oregon Tech at home, outscoring them 33-15 to overall in the four games. Yeah, the first game for this one was a 10-0 blowout. Pretty nice thing to see. UBC hitting five home runs and scoring all 10 runs in the first two innings. Jordan Dre and Austin Butler both recorded two runs and two RBIs, while Niall Windler pitched a complete game, allowing just two hits. Yeah, nice to get all those runs out of the way early. Yeah. Oregon Tech, they jumped out to a 4-0 lead to start Game 2. The Thunderbirds' bats came alive. They piled on the runs. 13-8 to victory there to keep the wins rolling. Jackson Valk and Wyatt Schnorr led the way offensively with three hits apiece, while Brett Corbett picked up the win on the mound, relie- re- retiring nine straight batters as the middle reliever. Yeah, and also the offense slowed down a little bit on the second day, but Thunderbirds still took the game 36-4. to Only one of their runs was earned. Um, a Nolan Witter RBI single in the seventh, and their other runs were scored off two seconds. Files, two fielders' choice, and a fielders' error. However, you get it done. A win's a win. We'll take it. And in game four, this was again a low scoring affair. The Thunderbirds were down 3 2 in the ninth before Valk hit a two run home run to straightaway center, his sixth home run of the season. Pat Vandenbrink earned the win as he gave up zero hits and struck out three in the final one and two-third innings. Yeah, great weekend for the team. We're going to be mentioning Valk's name a lot in uh, yeah. the baseball for this past week as well. He's been playing amazing recently. Yeah. Softball, they split their four-game series against Eastern Oregon two weeks ago, winning two of the three games that counted in the conference standings. First game was the Thunderbirds' home opener, and they won 14-5 to in a game that was mercy-ruled. After five innings, Casa Courtney was the standout offensively, hitting 2-for-3 three with three RBIs and three runs scored. The team as a whole hit 10-for-26. I mean, that's a little bit ridiculous. Was that, 400? Right <laughs> just, yeah, just under 400 okay. as a team for a whole game. Mercy rule uh, definitely needed there. Game 2. That was UBC's first conference loss of the season as they fell 6-4. Didn't have that uh, 400 hitting percentage carryover. Uh, (laughs) They were down 6-2 in the seventh inning, the final inning of the softball games. They started to mount a comeback but unfortunately fell just short. Rookie Kaya Gyorfi made her CCC debut in relief. Uh, She's a pitcher going four and two-thirds innings with no runs allowed, striking out five. Game 3 was a 5-1 win that saw Gyorfi follow up her debut with a complete game. She allowed just three hits and struck out six, with the Thunderbirds up 
2-1 in the sixth. It was Nicole Salas who added the insurance with a two-run single to put the game out of reach. Yeah, and Game 4 did not count in CCC play, which is a good thing because the Thunderbirds were shelled in the 12-8 loss. They were up 8-7 heading into the seventh inning, but Grofey was unable to hold on to the lead and give a five runs in the final game. Yeah, I'm not sure why softball does this, but whenever they have a four-game series, the last game doesn't count in the conference standings. I, just why play a four-game series? I have no answer <laughs> for you, I don't you, get Jake. it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just weird. It, it bugged me last year, and then it no, came like up again this year. a consolation game. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, men's golf, they finished eighth out of the 20 teams at the Grandview Battle at Prim a couple weeks ago. That was their best overall finish so far in the new year. Yeah, the Thunderbirds improved as the tournament went on in this one. They hit 295 in the first round, which put them in 17th place, and then had 285 combined strokes in the second, which was ninth for that round. And 281 in the third, which brought them up to six. Yeah, if only if, uh, if only it was like a six-round tournament, then yeah. you might end up winning the whole thing by the they end of that. They were trending well. <laughs> Andrew Harrison led the team overall score of minus one. That's eight strokes back of the leader, Eli Scott of Coastal Georgia. Chris Horton was the second best for the Thunderbirds. He finished tied for 36th overall at plus seven. Yeah, and it's a pretty chill weekend for the men's golf team as they didn't play this past weekend and they don't play this weekend either. A lot of time off. Hopefully... That means when they do come back, they'll come back very strong. The women's golf, we're going to be talking about them later. They didn't have this past weekend off. And two weeks ago, they won the Grandview Battle with Esther Lee claiming her third individual win of the season. What a girl. Uh, Yeah, Uh, Esther Lee, absolutely amazing so far this season. The Thunderbirds as a team were two strokes behind Embry-Riddle, our favorite aeronautics school, after day one. But the Arizona University fell apart on day two hitting 14 strokes worse than the first round, allowing UBC to take a seven-stroke win. And it wasn't a solo victory for Lee this time. She did have to share the spoils. She hit a plus one that was tied with Aaron Ellis of Rocky Mountain College. Two of them were five strokes ahead of the nearest competition. And the women's golf team, they're undefeated since Corey interviewed Esther Lee. I'm just saying. I don't know. Some kind (laughs) of mojo. Interview Esther Lee. They haven't lost since. We interviewed Olivia Furland. They won the national championship. I interviewed Madison Penn. Women's basketball hasn't <laughs> lost a game since. <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah, they haven't played any, but, you know, we'll take it. Yeah, you wonder where the power coming from. <laughs> Finally, uh, our final look at what happened two weeks ago. Men's rugby, they annihilated Capilano RFC 67-12. to That's the second time they've beaten Capilano this season. Yeah, the Thunderbirds won their two games against Capilano by a combined score of 116-34. to And that's all she wrote. Yeah, rugby team, you need to do better statistic keeping. <laughs> we, I apologize, folks. We got nothing to go on top of that. But a great win, all in all. Can't complain. And uh, finally, we get to move on to what actually happened this past week, starting with baseball. Yeah, so UBC baseball is on fire. We hinted to this in the previous segment. The Thunderbirds traveled down south and started off their long road trip with a four-game sweep of the College of Idaho, stretching their winning streak to nine games. Game one was a nail-biting 4-2 victory with the Thunderbirds mounting a late comeback. Yeah, Idaho, they scored both their runs in the first inning. UBC was held scoreless until the eighth. Things looking a little bit dicey, but then an RBI double from Ty Penner was followed by a couple fielder's choices. 
gave the Thunderbirds the lead, and they then added an insurance run in the ninth off a sack fly. Turns out they didn't need that fourth run. Yeah, yeah and also Neil Wendler turned in another strong performance after a shaky start, giving up just four hits and striking out seven in eight winning off work. And James Rockwell recorded his second save of the season in relief. Wendler's been incredible oh, this yeah. season. Yeah. All, all the strikeouts he was racking up a few, week, few weeks ago and just consistently turning in seven, eight, nine-inning performances. Well, pitch, pitching in general, like you, we, we were talking about a pitcher in every uh, – Every other note in the in last week's game, right? They're always putting out these great performances, and Windler is at the forefront of that. Brandon Hoop on the offensive side was the only Thunderbird with multiple hits. He went two for four and scored two of UBC's four runs. And then scoring was not an issue in game two, as the Thunderbirds mercy ruled the Oats 15 to three with the game called off after the seventh inning. Yeah, nice to see a uh, good old mercy rule in on in the favor of the Thunderbirds. The fourth was the only inning of the seven where the Thunderbirds didn't score, and that was bookended by four runs in the third. Five in the fifth, and every UBC starter got at least one hit in this game. Jackson Valk, he was the star. He hit four for five, including a 3-1 home run that made it 10-1 to in the fifth inning. Mike Fitzsimmons, Jordan Dre, Nolan Weger, Hoop, and Penner all had multi-hit games as well, just firing in all cylinders. Yeah, and also if you look back to uh, what they've done in this past season, and you can actually see that this was a season high in runs from the Thunderbirds as and their highest total since February 25th, 2018, when they scored 15 against the College of Idaho. Poor College of Idaho. We, we, we just like beating up on them, I guess. Well, well, in the next game, the Yotes did manage to hold UBC to just three runs, but unfortunately for them, they couldn't manage a single run themselves. Yeah, and again, Thunderbirds held scoreless until the eighth inning when Noah Orr scored off a throwing error on a Valk single. They then tacked on two more runs in the ninth off RBI hits from Fitzsimmons and Wyatt Schnorr. I mean, Yotes doing a good job in two of these three games for the first seven. Fortunately, the, the game is nine get, innings long, boys. Except for when we mercy Except for <laughs> <laughs> then it's only seven. <laughs> yeah, rookie pitcher Garrett Hawkins, he was fabulous on the mound. Eight shutout innings, allowed just two hits, struck out 12 before Barry Kane took the mound for the save. Yeah, and this was the Thunderbirds' fourth shutout of the season and their second in the CCC play. Yeah, they've been really heating up in conference play. It's great to Definitely. see. Yeah. <laughs> Game four looked like it was going to be another cakewalk as the Thunderbirds jumped out to a 7 nothing lead by the end of the fifth. But the Oats then scored five unanswered runs to cut into the lead. Thankfully, the scoring stopped there as the Birds completed the sweep. Yeah, Penner, he tied his season high for hits. He went three for five. He scored UBC's fourth run of the game while Valk, I mentioned that. We're going to be talking about him a lot. Uh, He continued his great weekend, hitting two for four with two RBIs and a run scored. Great weekend for him. Yeah, and also Bradwell got his second win of the season as he gave up just one run in the uh, five third um, innings of work, and it was King who was actually rough up, giving up four hits and four runs in just two and um, two-third innings. And thankfully, Pat Van Der Brink came in and shut down the Yotes in the hitless, hitless th- ninth. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was really the only blemish for any Thunderbirds picture this past weekend. Uh, Kane did get the save in the previous game, got roughed up a little bit there, but it's all good. They but got yeah. the win. Yeah, exactly. As I said before, win's a win. And the Thunderbirds are now 13-3 and in conference play, four games ahead of second place, Lewis and Clark State, who they play in a four-game series from April 5th to 7th. They do not play this upcoming weekend. Yeah, so hopefully, like men's golf, they'll come out against Lewis and Clark State firing and 
I mean, they'll have, really have a chance to almost run away with the conference already. Yeah. If they can win that series against Lewis Clark State, they could be five, six games up on them at uh, around, I think it would be around the halfway point, maybe a little bit past that even. Yeah, so. it would be a low-stress end of the season, and I wouldn't complain. <laughs> Very good season for UBC baseball so far. We're going to touch on softball and women's golf after the break. First, we have some ads and PSAs. Without the help and support of our friends, we here at CITR wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music, art, cinema, and culture that you love. Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theatre, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, films, and everything else coming to town there. For all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theatre, visit their website at www.riotheatre.ca. like laughing, hilarity, radical thought-provoking creativity, and laughing? UBC Improv is UBC's home for improvisational comedy, theater made up on the spot. Like us on Facebook to learn when our next shows are, search for us on YouTube for our film sketches, and follow us on Twitter because we want the followers. UBC Improv. Insert cheesy slogan here. Let's get it on. Hello and welcome back to Thunderbird Eye. We are now going to move on to softball. Yeah, Sally, softball did not have nearly as nice of a weekend as baseball uh, as they played seven games over four days against two different teams and lost all but one, slowing the momentum they had after winning five of their first six conference games. Up first was a four-game series against College of Idaho, where Thunderbirds were swept. Okay. Can I just say, seven games in four days against two different teams, both on the road, in two different states. Yeah, I don't know what they did to piss <laughs> off the schedule makers. <laughs> what, what is this? I'm calling shenanigans on this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one's a mulligan. Uh, first doubleheader was this past Friday. It was not pretty. The Thunderbirds were shut out in both games. A 12-0 drubbing that was mercy-ruled after five innings and a 1-0 heartbreaker where they left nine runners on base. That first game was really rough as the Thunderbirds were out-hit 14-2 and Damara Bagan and Shelby Kempel were shelled for six runs apiece. Yeah, I said earlier I like mercy rules. I don't like them anymore. <laughs> yeah, I said earlier that pitching was good and... In this one, that was not the case. Yeah. I mean, does it count as foreshadowing if we knew what's going to happen next anyway? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) The second game of the day, that was a lot closer. Thunderbirds out-hit the Yotes 6-5. They couldn't bring anyone home, however. Kaya Giorfi did a solid job on the mound, giving up just one run on five hits with eight strikeouts. Did not get any offensive support. And getting shut out when you're leaving uh, a bunch of runners on base, that's that's not great. It hurts. (laughs) Yeah, moving on to the next day, um, the next day's doubleheader was also a pair of losses, though um, through the second game of the day didn't count for a CCC standing, so it's better. Yeah, the Thunderbirds were shut out again in Game 3, out hitting the Yotes 6-4 to four, but losing 4 nothing. this time leaving eight runners on base. Wait, they're getting people on base, that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah, I guess hits are good. <laughs> Thunderbirds, they finally got some runs on the board in Game 4, they scored two in the fourth, one in the sixth. Unfortunately, they gave up eight runs in the first two innings, so it wasn't 
much in the end. They lost 8-3. to three. Uh, Emily Sharpita was the standout offensive player in Game 4. She hit 3 of 3 with an RBI and a run scored, but didn't count for CCC standings. Maybe these games are good because UBC lost both of the non-conference games they played. Yeah, they. I guess they know when to lose. <laughs> yeah, and just as we mentioned before, the Thunderbirds weekend was not over after that series as they traveled from Idaho to Oregon to take on Northwest Christian in a doubleheader the next day. So three straight doubleheaders, six games in three days. Yeah. Uh, game five, another heartbreaking loss. Thunderbirds, they tied the game 5-5 in the top of the seventh, but Northwest Christian's Alexis Westbrooks hit a two-out walk-off RBI single to win it in the bottom half of the inning. Just nothing going right at this point for the Thunderbirds. No, no. Courtney Cassa had two of UBC's three ribbies, including a two-RBI triple in the third inning. That made the score 2-0 at that time, and that was the first lead UBC held at any point this past weekend. And then, after that game... They got a win! Hey! Finally! <laughs> Good stuff. UBC's bats came alive in Game 6. They won 8-2. to two. Northwest Christian held a 2-1 lead after the first inning, but the Thunderbirds followed with seven unanswered runs over the next six, including a three-run home run from Casa that put the game out of reach in the seventh, and Kempel pitched a complete game, giving up just two runs on eight hits. Good stuff all around from the team. Yeah. Yeah, and finally, finally, Thunderbirds... Um, conclude their windwell road trip with one more game against the Northwest Christian on Monday, which they lost again, sadly, um, ten to four. Not so great all around from the from the team, <laughs> right no, there. No, not yeah. as much. Giorfi was chased off the mound after just one inning after she gave up four runs on four hits, and Kempel didn't fare too much better as she gave up eight runs in five innings. Yeah, offensively, Claire Eccles hit uh, two for three. She scored half of UBCers four runs by herself, while Casa and Jordan Britton-Young both recorded two RBIs. Next up for the team is a four-game home series against Providence, where the fourth game will again not count for CCC standings. The team is currently 6-6, six and six, fifth in the 10-team Cascade Conference. Well, a four-game series is a bit of a break for them, I guess. <laughs> yeah, as Jeez. opposed to playing back-to-back series. As opposed to playing that Stanley Cup playoff round that they just had of seven games. That's ridiculous. We're going to move to women's golf now. As we said, the men's golf team was off this weekend. But the women were in Indio, California. That location played host to our women's golf team this past week. And like many of the venues that had come before it, the golf club at Terra Lago's North Course was ripped to shreds by the T-Birds. By posting a total team score of plus 37, UBC lapped the competition, finishing a breezy 25 strokes ahead of Embry-Riddle. I'd be very happy if Embry-Riddle is playing at all the events that UBC is playing at. It's so fun to say. (laughs) Embry-Riddle, the aeronautical university. Yeah. (laughs) What an incredible combination. We just need the University of Antelope Valley to come back to us. I know. And then we'll we'll be perfect. That will be the holy trifecta. Individually, the UBC team peppered the upper echelon of the leaderboard. Avril Lee took four Fourth at plus nine, Esther Lee finished a stroke better in solo third, but it was Kate Johnston who stole the show for UBC, winning her first event with the team in this her third year, finishing at plus five, two strokes better than Embry-Riddle Eagle Jessica Williams. I mean, long time coming for Johnston, and also placing uh, four golfers in uh, the top ten of the entire competition. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. That's pretty dominant right there. No wonder they finished twenty-five strokes ahead of the next team, and uh, at the start of the month, the start of the new year, really, because their spring season didn't start until earlier this month, uh, this women's golf team, they put on a poor performance in Sacramento at the Gunrock Invitational. They finished 11th there. We were a little bit worried 
about like what happened. They were so great in uh, in the first half of the season. Turns out that was just a blip because they've come out swimming, swinging since then. They've won their last two events, and they've broken the school record for tournament victories as members of the NIIA. They've won six events in just eight this season. That's, Incredible that's stuff. That's dominant. Yeah, and like we've t- we obviously we've talked about Lee so much, but it's this entire team. Oh yeah, like just she's sh- shown by how good everyone was. Yeah, she's won tournament. three out of those six, which is great. But the the other three have all come from three different golfers, including Kate Johnston, who won this week. She finally had her turn in the spotlight. She actually finished runner up to Esther Lee in the freshman's first two victories this year. Um, so it was time for the Pride of Air Ontario to claim the individual medal finally. She shot impressive rounds of 75 and 74 and came from behind on day two to triumph on a brutally difficult course. And when I say brutally difficult... <laughs> we mean brutally difficult. So I want to contextualize this a little bit for you folks. Yep. Three of the 42 golfers at the tournament had a score of over plus 100 in a two-round event. Uh, Eight golfers had at least one round of 100 or more strokes. I won't name the person who did this uh, out of respect for them, but there was one woman who shot 160 in the first round, which is almost, it's two strokes short of averaging a quintuple bogey on every single hole. Unfortunately, they don't publish the full scorecards for these kind of events, so we can't see exactly how it happened. But just suffice to say, this was a very, very difficult event. And I mean, considering that as around 20% of the golfers had at least a round shooting 25 strokes worse than Johnston's two rounds. Yeah. That puts into perspective how good Johnston was, how good this entire team was, because I don't know what's going on with that course, why they got to make it so difficult. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, I I looked at the scores of the other two tournaments they've done in the new year, and in both of those, the highest score combined over the two rounds was plus 65. Yeah, which is not great still, but... Plus 100, over plus 100, that's insanity. Yes. What are they doing? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, every th- every Thunderbird participant made the most of this tournament besides Lee Lee and Johnston. Shania Romandaban finished in 8th at plus 15, and Cecile Kwan rounded out the group with a tied 21 plus 29 performance. Yeah. Well, I mean, the two Lees, one of them's L-I, one of them's L-E-E, that doesn't really come off well in radio. <laughs> <laughs> they are, they are, it is two yes. different people, Avril Lee, Esther Lee, and they've both been having wonderful seasons for yeah. this Thunderbirds team. And the women's team, they now get a couple weeks off uh, before the regular season concludes in Salem, Oregon, with the Creekside Golf Club hosting the Corbin Invitational. And then after that, it'll be the CCC Championship, the NAIA Championship, and the Canadian Championships. They'll all be coming one after another as the spring season reaches its climax. Yeah, it's exciting to have three championships like that. You get you, know, you get more than one chance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were yeah. talking about like the volleyball team uh, redeemed their Canada West uh, loss with the win the national championship. You can lose the NIA championship and then come back and win the Canadian championship. Yeah, they, so, yeah, they won chances. the Canadian championship last year. So that's good vibes going into this summer's competition. You know what else gives you good vibes, Jake McGrail? What else gives you good vibes, Corey? Finding affordable sports gear and activewear. So if you're somebody who's in the market looking for these kind of things, you should check out our friends at Cheapskates down at 16th and Dunbar. They are Vancouver's oldest sporting goods consignment store, and they both buy and sell used equipment at great prices. Check them out on their website at CheapskatesVancouver.com or on Twitter at CheapskatesVan, or you can just walk down to their location at 3644 West 16th Avenue. 
Yeah, and moving on to that, uh, we have for men's rugby. And another weekend, another dominant performance for UBC men's rugby. This time, um, the squad traveled to the island to take on James Bay, AA, and well, it was another blowout for the birds. As the final in this one, it's a 54 to 13. Yeah, MVP in this game, second-year hooker Harrison Smith, who helped propel UBC to their third straight victory. He was named out of the match, and again, that is literally everything we know about this game. Yeah. Men's rugby, please just tell us what happened. We <laughs> we want to know what happened besides the score and sometimes who was the man of the match. Yes, they're a very mysterious program. I'll, I'll we, give them we just that. know they're amazing, and that's that's about yeah. it for these Premier League games. Yeah, we do know where they sit in the standings. They're now at 17-4 and four overall for the season, 12-3 and three in the league with just one game left in the Premier League season against Mariloma RC, who they will take on on April 13th here at UBC. On the season, Mariloma is currently in dead last in league standings with just a 2-11 record. And UBC is currently tied for first, I believe, with, uh, I think the team is Wanderers Castaway, and there's some sort of like a point differential that's putting UBC on top. So if they can crush Mariloma RC, which, you know, could easily happen given the score lines they've put up in the last couple of games, they could get a Premier League victory, which would just be a feather on the cap after all the trophies they've already won. Yeah, we'll this take it. Season. <laughs> and uh, this is weird. It's 4.55, but that's about all the sports. Yeah, we just got to look ahead to next week, but we've covered pretty much everything. I know. Well, men's soccer, they beat UVic 3-1 to in the Keg Cup final next exhibition series against uh, University of Victoria. The women's team, similar, but they lost 3-1 to the Vikes. Both these soccer teams are going to be playing some exhibition matches in the U.S. against some other schools uh, in the spring. Got to keep these student-athletes busy. It's not just the fall for soccer. I'm sure football is doing some sort of <laughs> camps or some sort of training. Uh, not not official matches, though. And also, the final event for the Legends Cup series is this weekend. We haven't talked about the Legends Cup yep. much. Uh, the UBC-UVic, great rivalry that now has a definitive trophy at the end because a lot of those head-to-head matchups happened in the fall portion of yep. this uh, school year this season. But final event is the rowing teams from both schools that would be competing for the Brown Cup tacked on to this Legends Cup series. And uh, I don't think the outcome the rowing is going to really affect the standings or who is going to win the Legends Cup because UBC currently has a 27 to 5 point lead overall and I don't think that winning the Brown Cup as prestigious as it is for these rowing athletes will count for 23 points <laughs> if UBC does end up taking it they're going to throw in the old last goal wins yeah last goal wins that's stipulation what it is. yeah <laughs> and uh, besides rowing that is taking place uh, in Victoria on Saturday. Besides that, we've got a softball doubleheader. They're playing Providence. That's at home here in Surrey. That's Friday and Saturday. Game on Friday starting. First game on Friday starting at 1.30. Second game starting at 11 a. Or second day. The first game of the second day is starting at 11 a.m. on Saturday. And then also there is a track meet here in Vancouver. It is the UBC Open. The time is to be determined. No one knows. We'll That's uh, Saturday and Sunday. I assume it'll be happening all day and. That is it for everything happening this weekend because baseball's got the week off, golf's got the week off, a lot of sports have been wrapping up. We're going to be wrapping up soon. We've only got a couple shows left. I know. It's tragic. Hopefully, we will have another interview for you all next week. I'm not going to be naming names of who we're trying to get, but volleyball. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, surprise. The the team that's done the most this month, we'd like to get another one one of them on the show for Lem was great. Yeah. 
like to like to share the love with the rest of the team because they are national champions. Yeah, they deserve it. Yeah, the only national champions we've had in the new year rowing, of course, won a national championship back in the fall. And uh, with that, I guess uh, that'll do it mm-hmm. yeah. for this week's show. Thank yeah. you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to this show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories is to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I mentioned it last week, but Instagram, we are back from the dead at CITR Sports. Give us a follow because we're going to be posting some nice photos. And like uh, the UBC Improv Club, we want the followers. Next up on <laughs> CITR is the Arts Report for Thunderbird Eye. This has been Jake, Liz, and Corey with a bit of Jacob Air Support. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your evening.